Please listen carefully. Welcome in, folks. You are listening to the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I am your host, Cooper Heard. We're talking some NBA draft today, about what we usually do. Today, I'm starting up a new program. I've written it in text once before. This is the second iteration I've, I've published, but I wanted to start up a new concept that I think is uh, an interesting way to frame prospect rankings, mock draft, big board, etc. Uh, I call it the 20. The 20 is the group of 20 players that I believe are most likely to succeed in the NBA. John Hollinger uh, is the one I credit with this. He, he said, he, or, or he has said many times that uh, you can expect approximately 20 players from any given draft to make legitimate contributions as NBA players. Certainly there's some variance in there, and obviously if you can nail the top pick versus you know, nailing a role player, that's a lot different. But still, I, I've always thought this is an interesting concept of just you know trying to identify who the best bets are to succeed in any capacity for you know at any point in their career. Uh, that's what makes this sort of line of looking at things uh, team agnostic a little interesting is you don't have to necessarily worry about... So Gigi Jackson's a great example, right? Uh, Gigi Jackson, who may or may not be on this list, uh, but he's a guy that I would expect to contribute more value to future teams than to the team that drafts him. I, I think more than likely he'll be a quote-unquote second second contract guy, uh, or sorry, a second draft guy, uh, a guy that succeeds on his second or third contract, maybe even you know grows the Christian Wood route of getting waived a couple of times before uh, really landing and succeeding somewhere. But this is this is the 20, right? These are the 20 guys that I think even if they go the P.J. Tucker, Pat Beverly, uh, Hassan Whiteside route, and it takes them a while. These are the guys that I think are the best bets to succeed long-term in the NBA. So so I did tier this out. Of course I did. As any NBA draft nerd knows, you have to have your guys in tiers or you're doing it wrong. I did have my top two picks in their own tiers, though. Uh, and these will be no surprise to anybody. Victor Wembanyama is my number one best bet. Uh, Scoot Henderson is my number two best bet, though frankly, um, if we're discussing simply who do I think has the best chance of contributing at, at a at a reasonably impactful level long term, uh, I may lean Scoot there simply due to the the one of one nature of Womanyama, just how unique he is and his game is, and obviously there are injury concerns, but even just beyond that, the idea that Scoot, I know what he is. He's a point guard. We know how to use good point guards in the NBA at this point. I don't necessarily know that we're going to be able to figure out how to use this seven foot five Kareem uh, impersonator <laughs> right away. So uh, I may even lean Scoot as the more uh, safe bet there. But one way or another, I think those are the two guys that you know have to be mentioned in their own classes. I'd be stunned if either of them fail uh, due to anything that is in their control. Outside of that group, though. I've got two main tiers of players. The top tier in my article I dubbed the Secret Service. This is your alpha squad, right? These are your top dogs. This is the this this is the team that you call in when you need to get things done. These are the guys, and it just happened to work out this way, but generally these guys were forward sized. 
um, some of the bigger athletes, some of the better athletes in this class, I would say maybe even, you know, the three or four best uh, athletes in this class might all be in this group. Um, they also, though, so, so I think the thing about this group that really stood out to me is we've got a great combination of defensive floor, rebounding floor, transition play because of that athletic, uh, that athleticism, those gifts. Uh, and also the size, right? You know, it's a, it's a lot easier to fit you in to different positions as long as you've got the size and mobility to uh, defend at those positions. So uh, say a guy like Amon Thompson, who I'll say is in this group, even if he's not able to really be a dynamic player on the offensive end and he is sort of pigeonholed into being a non-shooting guard slash wing, uh, a guy that can only play alongside specific other teammates on offense, well, I think he's so talented uh, as an athlete and his quick twitch is so good. And I think he'll develop as a defender to the point where he can defend point guards, he can defend shooting guards, he can defend wings, he can maybe even defend some forwards. Uh, I think that the versatility on the defensive end is going to open up a lot of doors for him to find different lineup combinations that he can fit into on offense. Even though it's more difficult on the offensive end, the fact that he is so flexible on the defensive end, or at least I think will be long-term, I think that is what gives these guys uh, a higher floor and just a greater chance of succeeding in some form or fashion. I think it's, it's, it's a safe bet that if you can get a guy that is smart, strong, big and athletic, even if they don't work out on the offensive end, you can teach them how to play defense. Uh, and these guys specifically aren't just big and strong and smart. They also flash a lot of skill on offense, which is why I have them in this uh, alpha squad, this elite group. I'll go ahead and get into the names. So my number third ranked guy uh, is actually Jairus Walker uh, rather than Brandon Miller. I just think that Jairus Walker, his body is, or his combination of his body and brain is, is not going to fail. Um, Brandon Miller, I think, is maybe a little bit more questionable in terms of, you know, he doesn't have quite the same certainty in terms of a defender, and having an offensive game that's predicated on shooting and playmaking is something that can certainly wax and wane, whereas Jairus Walker, um, you know, I think his offensive skill is great. I think he can be a real shooter in time. I think he's a solid passer, like a relatively creative passer, and like just makes quick decisions, but his main thing is like running a fast break, cutting, dunking. Um, if he can do that, it, it, you know, he, he could be Aaron Gordon in a year, in my mind. So I, I think that's why I have him a little bit above Brandon Miller in this regard. But Brandon Miller is still my number four guy. Again, that combination of uh, shooting, ball handling, just that skill level at his height, you can't really pass up on that. And I, I don't think he's a particularly great athlete, but, it, you know, he threw down some dunks that were... Uh, relatively impressive he can get up off of one foot which i think is something that's really important even if he's not the most explosive one foot athlete the fact that he can get to the rim off of off of you know a single step is pretty important um so i think brandon miller that skill and again he is still six foot nine he's got a decent wingspan it looks like he's skinny but he's not frail i wouldn't describe him as so uh, I think he's got a solid floor as, you know, if he's if he's defending, if he's your worst wing defender and he can shoot and he can make some plays on offense, it's it's really hard to see him failing. So uh, those two stand out a little bit in this group to me because I just am really certain uh, in Jairus' defense and I'm really certain in Brandon Miller's offense. Uh, these next guys I'm not quite as certain in, but Cam Whitmore at number five, the one thing I can certainly bet on is his athleticism. I mean, that... That dude can move. 
uh, and he, you cannot move him. Uh, those are those are the two things that really stand out. He is he, he's incredibly he's he's a very fast and I wouldn't necessarily consider him a nimble guy, but you know relatively quick twitch. But he's so powerful at that size uh, and at that heft. He he sort of reminds me of a great value Zion Williamson in just that level of power. He's certainly is going to need to be... It, I actually think that Cam Whitmore's best route is going to be to hopefully become more of a guard because I think his offensive role needs to be more of a shooter and maybe even a little bit of creation or, or maybe more, you know, cutting from the perimeter. He's a perimeter-oriented player, though. He's not an interior-based player. Uh, I don't know that he's the best rebounder in the world. I don't know that he's the best... Or, I just I think generally he sees himself as more of a guard. That's more what he's comfortable with. Um, and I think that he, unlike Jairus Walker, I think he needs to shoot well to be efficient because I don't think he's going to be quite as good right away on the defensive end. I don't see his athleticism as quite as functional as Jairus Walker's. Um, I think Jairus is just maybe a little bit more nimble side to side for his uh, for his girth. Cam Whitmore, I mean, is still, he's the number five guy on my board for a reason. Uh, I think he is incredibly athletic in his own right. And again, he does flash a lot of ball skills. Um, another one of these guys that I think the downside is that he can't figure it out on offense and has to figure out how to be a solid defender. And I, I would just, I would make that bet. You know, he'll probably figure out something on offense as well. You know, he'll cut, he'll make plays. Uh, number six and number seven, back to back. I actually have Osar Thompson above Amin Thompson. This is not some grand declaration. I, I still have no idea what to do with these two. I've generally regarded Amon as a better prospect over Osar, but for these purposes, in terms of, you know, I'm trying to predict the 20 most likely guys to stick, I'd probably predict Osar to, to have a slightly higher likelihood of succeeding than Amon um, in terms of, you know, the downside of never being a real contributor. I think Amon has the upside just because he is the point guard mentality. He's been playing point guard for years. Every, everyone that says Osar can figure out how to be a point guard, I, I certainly think that's possible. I, I don't know these guys well enough to know that's not true, but it does feel intuitively a little bit more difficult for me to learn the point guard position after this much time. Although, if Osar can actually shoot, which is the reason that I'm putting him up here, is because theoretically he's got a more developed shot. Uh, if he can shoot, you know, that certainly helps uh, when you're trying to run pick and roll or when you're trying to make decisions. Uh, if you've got a little bit more gravity of your own. So those are six and seven. Again, they are elite athletes. I'm pretty confident they're going to be able to guard. You know, again, if those guys can be guarding point guards, they're they're in the league. You're good. Because they're also going to be able to guard shooting guards, and they're going to be able to guard small forwards as well. So the, those two, I think, are actually relatively safe just because, again, they are such great athletes, and they'll figure out how to defend. I think they are going to work incredibly hard. Number eight, in the last player in this tier, uh, the Alpha Squad. This is Taylor Hendricks uh, out of UCF. Taylor Hendricks is somebody that I don't know. I've been quite as high as some people. Um, I've seen him going as high as like fourth, fifth on people's boards. Uh, Hendricks is solid, right? I think the thing that you can't deny with him is that he's got one clear offensive skill in his three point or his jump shooting uh, that is a clear indicator that he's got touch, and he's uh, or even less the touch. It's more that he's got coordination and repeatable mechanics. Uh, he can he can he can learn how to do things in game, and that is pretty important. He's not just uh, in there surviving on instincts. That's something that was learned and practiced over time. That indicates that maybe he could grow a little bit more on the offensive end. However, I don't really trust his decision making. I don't really trust him putting the ball on the ground. 
Uh, it's I get that he's not going to have to be a playmaker, but you, you at least want him to be able to do like two dribbles and take a layup or something, right? Um, I really don't know that I'd trust him to do anything other than a straight line drive with the ball in his hand, uh, and even then, trust is trust is nebulous. Uh, but what I do have to admit is that he's like six foot ten, and he blocks shots really well, and he moves really well. And again, I think this is where the defensive floor comes in. Um, I think Taylor Hendricks has proven that he's got one real skill on the offensive end. I think that, uh, and he's proven to be an effective rim protector, but just beyond that, he's a tall guy that defends well at multiple positions, and that's enough to survive in the NBA. Uh, if you move like he does and you're as tall as he is, and you're, you know, you're a sensible human being that works hard and is going to be professional, then yeah, that's that's what it takes to be an NBA player, so... Uh, Taylor Hendricks, not totally as sold on him being some high-level starter, um, but as far as being a contributor in the NBA, I think it's hard to it's hard to put, you know, even a couple of those guys above him. You know, Cam Whitmore, Osar, Amon Thompson. I could even see Taylor Hendricks as being a little bit more, a little bit safer of a bet than those folks. So um, that's it for that tier, though. Real quick break, and then we'll move on to the second tier, aka the B-list superheroes. All right, well, I took my break. I hope y'all paused and took a... Maybe pause right now and take like a five-second stretch. Just stand up, do a little stretch. Uh, If you're driving, please don't do that. Anyways, let's get back to the whole basketball thing. So, we covered the Alpha Squad, Secret Service, the elite tier of, you know, mostly mainly big wing-sized athletes that are probably going to defend pretty well uh, and flash some offensive skill. Uh, that was Jarris Walker, Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, Osar Thompson, Amin Thompson, Taylor Hendricks. Uh, those are my three through eights. So next tier, uh, and this pretty much encompasses everybody. There's uh, one exception that I'll talk about afterwards, but uh, this is the B-list superheroes tier. These are guys that I actually generally consider this a, just a more variant tier. Um, I don't necessarily see these guys as a lower upside for the most part than the guys above, uh, you know. Taylor Hendricks, I don't think, is the highest upside guy. Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, even Jarrist. I, I think they have they have paths to becoming um, all-star level players, but I think most of their paths lead more to solid starter level player. You know, maybe your Tobias Harris level of player. Um, solid contributor on a winning team, but like he can't be your best couple. He can't be one of your best players. Uh, these guys, I actually think, you know, some of them have... Yeah, that level of variance, if not even a little bit more, in terms of uh, if they find the right team, if they find the right role, if they are just the right person, then maybe they will be all-star level, maybe even above. Um, but I think for the most part, I see these guys as a little bit more vulnerable, vulnerable to the downside risk. Uh, and I'll say, just looking at the list, two things that pop out it's funny i didn't really write these but i think the two things that i've noticed is these are pretty much almost all guards or guys that i am not confident can shoot actually those are both big men so i guess it's your guards and big men which kind of makes sense right uh, i think wings and forwards daniel house has been in the league for like a, a lot he's he's been in the league way longer than he would have been if he was six foot four okay like guys like that they just they they stay employed you know, if you're six foot three, even if you're a good player, you just might not be the right fit. And everyone else has guys already. It's just, I think it's a lot tougher. I think it's a lot tougher when you when you don't fit into that really flexible size of you know, six six to six ten. I would say is really the range you want to be in. 
nonetheless, you know, I think these guys are these, hey, these guys are still in the 20. We haven't even got halfway through the 20 yet. I think these guys are still really good bets, again, to be long-term contributors in the NBA. I don't need, I don't think these guys are going to all be all-stars. I don't think they're all going to be, you know, winning playoff series, but I think that these guys at a baseline will be key parts of your rotation on a winning playoff team. I'm willing to bet on that. So these B-list superheroes, number nine, we'll start it off with, I think, the perfect defining guy for this tier. A guy that if he was three inches taller would be four or five on this on this list. He'd be in the top tier and probably higher than most guys. Kaysom Wallace. Kaysom Wallace is a fantastic defender. He's a great shooter. His handle is fine. You know, it's functional, I would say. But he's just, he measured like 6'3 without shoes, 6'2 and a half without shoes. Like, he's more like a 6'4 guard. Um, and he's he's not necessarily bulky. He's not uh, Marcus Smart's sort of build, right? Uh, he's more Drew Holiday's build. And Kaysom Wallace is 19, so it's going to take time for him to get Drew Holiday's strength. But nonetheless, I think Kaysom Wallace is, as long as he can shoot, I don't think he, I don't think he flames out. Um, if, if his shot is off, then I could see his offensive game just not being a good fit um, for most teams, despite how good his defense may be. I think that's the one thing we've seen with Davion Mitchell um, in Sacramento is even though he's been in a horrible situation in terms of the point guards, he's he's not necessarily been able to develop on ball like he would want to. Uh, but the reason he was able to play in the playoffs this year against against Golden State was because he was hitting threes. Um, so I think as long as Kaysen Wallace can hit his threes, he's going to be intense on defense. Kaysen Wallace is even probably inch, maybe maybe even two inches taller than, than Davion Mitchell. So yeah, I, I think he's a very good bet. Uh, number 10, I got Anthony Black. Different type of point guard bet, but a, another one that, again, Anthony Black actually fits... Maybe into the into the model above, right? He's more of like a six 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 foot seven point guard. Where the the main reason he's not in the in the level above is uh, a level above is his shooting is so suspect. Uh, I, I I think he can probably figure out how to be more of a finisher. And frankly, I, I don't feel comfortable enough evaluating shooting to say he can't shoot. Um, there's a good chance he'll just get in there and start doing it. But I I also could see a world in which. He just really struggles to find a place on offense, you know. Even then, it, it is, you know, he's a guy. I think he's really safe because he's six foot seven, high energy, moves well, um, and knows the aim very well, as you can tell on offense. I have to imagine he's going to become a good defender. It's hard to imagine he wouldn't be a good defender. So unless he's completely lost on offense and just simply can't can't survive, if he just doesn't develop any other skills. Um, then I guess he wouldn't work. But frankly, he he would be the one guy in this tier that maybe belongs in the one above because he actually does have that wing forward size that sort of nullifies the need to have an elite skill. Um, so that's Anthony Black at 10. I'm thinking he maybe even belongs up a little bit higher, but that'd be a question for the next edition of the 20, I guess. Uh, number 11, so we are now over halfway through the 20. Uh, we've got Kante George. Kante George out of Baylor. Um, people have definitely soured on him throughout the season. I've soured on him throughout the season. You know, I thought he was more like a top seven guy earlier. Um, I think there were some concerns around the tournament, and I'm saying I think uh, because 
I don't have any sources myself. I know this was speculated that there were some concerns about his attitude and the way that he handled his minutes uh, down the end in the playoffs for Baylor, which is a little bit, a little bit strange. It's certainly not something that I was expecting from him. He seems like a really competitive guy, and, and generally I would expect that to be something that comes out as I want to win at all costs. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes competitive come competitive energy comes out as I need to be out there to play to win. What are you doing? Why aren't you playing me? I get that, but I think we're in an era where guys are just so good at being professionals at such a young age that even something that minor does stand out on his record you know a guy like anthony black case and wallace the other guys on this list like they just don't have stuff like that uh ever so you know that that's like a it's like an orange flag it's not a red flag but it's a thing for Keontae. but the one the one thing that he proved this year is that he will defend and he can defend um, he also, you know, did a, a, a really good job of surviving at a three-guard backcourt, more or less. Uh, sorry, or, or a three-man guard rotation uh, with LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, who were both there before him uh, and had seniority over him. You know, he, he showed that he's just a solid basketball player. And again, the one reason that he's in this group is that he's 6'3", six 6'4", six maybe. Um, you know, and he was not very efficient in college he, he took some difficult shots but he also he, he took some difficult shots i don't think that was all because that was the best decision you know i think sometimes he made bad decisions and took bad shots so that plays into it as well but i think Keontae just i i trust that he will find enough ways to score um for at least enough you know maybe he's only a contributor for five years and his shot doesn't fall after that but I just can't imagine he doesn't have a period where it's working for him because he's a professional scorer um, that is also proven that he will do what it takes to just be a professional basketball player. Um, and that's really important. If you can score and you can do the other things in basketball, you got a good chance. So uh, Keontae, I think, is is another safer bet than some people might think. This next guy I don't think people are going to be very surprised by, but number 12, I've got Jordan Hawkins. You know, pretty straightforward. He's the best shooter in this class the best movement shooter in this class. He's just got the most repeatable form from three. I did see some, I, I want to say it was Mike Gribanov on Twitter, who is, you know, legendary follow, especially for the high school scene. But I think he mentioned something about not being a, as big a fan about Hawkins because his jump shot is not as flexible in terms of he, he has to sort of float back on his jumper. Um, he's not really somebody that can fall forward or be, you know, it limits, it limits the directions in which you can be running into a shot. It also limits the ability to translate that shot into something like a floater game uh, or a mid-range pull-up game. So I thought I did think that was interesting. And in thinking it back, he is certainly somebody that is not... Uh, he doesn't have, like, the Max Struess or Duncan Robinson's, like, come off a pin down and sort of be running towards the rim and stop on a diamond pull-up. Um, he's much more of a running off to the side, pause, pull-up which still I think is going to be very effective, and it's why I've still got him here. Uh, he measured out pretty good, too. I think he measured like 6'4", uh, barefoot, which is, you know, it's 6'5", maybe in a little above 6'5", in shoes, which that's solid. That's what he needed. And again, I, I think he's just, his one elite skill on offense is really, really elite, and it's really, really important. Um, and it, his size, I think it's, it's passable to just have that to start with. The question will be his defense. I think he, I think he can figure it out, and 
Um, again, I, I just, I really trust him as a worker. I think that, you know, all these guys are going to work hard and everything, but he's the one, especially in this tier, that I'm like, yeah, it's a professional basketball player. He, he needs to be a professional basketball player. There's, that's just what he was created. That's why he's on this earth. So, yeah, I, I just, some of this is just a vibes thing. I just, good vibes for him. <laughs> uh, he's also a fantastic jump shooter, so I think that helps too. Uh, number 13, Leonard Miller. So Leonard Miller is actually the only new addition on this list. Um, originally had Trey Alexander at number 20 on the prior edition. He pulled out of the draft. He's, I think, returning to Creighton. I don't think he's transferring or anything. Um, but Leonard Miller popped up here instead, and he, you know, you'll notice he's not at 20. He's all the way up at 13. And I think the reason for that is that I, I am fully sold at this point on Leonard Miller's ability to both defend and rebound at an NBA level. I think in the last year or so, as I've started watching more basketball, started really focusing on really taking this stuff seriously in terms of trying to be able to speak intelligently about basketball, I've, I've really started noticing just how important rebounding is and um, how impactful it is when you have somebody that can't be an effective rebounder at their position. Leonard Miller is a fantastic rebounder. He's going to be a plus at that. And if that was the only skill he brought, I, he wouldn't be on this list. But Leonard Miller is also a very good rebounder. He moves very well. He's another one of these like 6'10 guys that, you know, I think he'll be a big, but really has like a forward body and moves like a forward. And he'll be able to switch out on guys. Um, his jump shot is broke. It looks horrible. Um, but he does show some coordination in terms of he'll make a couple of jumpers he'll get into the lane you know face up dribble and transition a little bit um he'll make some passes occasionally he likes to he likes to be a creative offensive player he he does not he does not see himself as a big man you can tell and i know that's you know he had his stint in uh, high school where he was he was more of a creator and facilitator it's he's not going to be a creator at the next level but you know he's He's got some nascent skills there in terms of just being coordinated, being able to make plays on offense. I do think that is always good to see. Again, he's another guy that, like Anthony Black, kind of fits into the previous criteria of he's big and he's athletic and he's smart. And even if he does not do the stuff that he does on offense right now, he's going to get really good at defense and it's going to be impossible to keep him off the court, I think. Um at least altogether. I think he's going to have to just, he's just, you're going to have to play him. He's going to provide it. He's going to just be so powerful. And, uh, I mean, imagine if a guy like that is your ninth guy. It's like, it's like Bobby Portis, right? It's like a stronger, more intense Bobby Portis. So, anyways, uh, next at number 14, we have another big man, although certainly a different archetype, I would say. Uh, Derek Lively out of Duke. This is a guy that, you know, big time high school recruit uh, coming to Duke. Had some, I believe, had some injury issues real early in the season. Uh, nothing as serious as Derek Whitehead wasn't out for as many games, but still had some issues adjusting uh, to the team. Obviously, Kyle Filipowski, fellow Southern footer, was already there and had established himself as a, you know, the I would say the main guy. Uh, the main shot taker in Duke's offense, um, other than maybe, I don't know, Jeremy Roach. But Derek Lively was able to, maybe somewhere around halfway through the season, really start to get a groove in terms of the defensive end. 
Uh, he never really was a big-time scorer. We've seen recently in some of the combine videos him shooting and stuff. That's That was never his game in college, maybe a little bit in high school. But uh, I think the thing that makes me a, a lot more optimistic and lively than I have been uh, you know, previously is just uh, obviously we've seen how impactful a guy like Rob Williams. Mitch Robinson is actually the one with the Knicks that I think uh, he was a great example of, of what lively could be um, in an optimized version. But we've seen these guys that just – buy into this super role player role at the big man position and they just do everything on defense they anchor the paint but they can also move around be flexible grab a bunch of rebounds that's obviously incredibly important um and then on offense you know a guy like mitchell robinson is is not doing much at all uh decision making wise but i think lively is somebody that maybe you trust to make a, a couple more decisions i think more than likely though you know, you just dart him like Mitchell Robinson and, and maybe eventually make some corner threes as well. But I wouldn't even worry about that at first. I would just say go out there and rim run and run really fast in transition in the 25 minutes a game you're getting. And, yeah, I think he could be really valuable right away, honestly. And, um, again, he's lively seven foot one. Uh, that's more like Mitch Robinson, who I think is also seven one. You know, Rob Williams is more like 6'10". So, different comparison there right I, th- I think what lively has got going for him is just the length uh and i think he's gonna have really good positioning so another guy that i just again you know big big men i know are sort of a uh l- less valuable commodity these days but you know you still have to have big guys you gotta have rebounders you gotta have guys that can protect the rim and these two dudes are really good at it i think it's hard to imagine them not contributing uh at some level for a while in the nba um anyways i'll move on to number 15 next this is a guy kobe buffkin out of michigan uh certainly a late riser in this class a guy that was a really young freshman last year um didn't didn't produce a whole lot but this year alongside jet howard had a solid start to the season and then when jet went down with his injuries kobe buffkin really stepped up as the lead guy um Started taking some more jumpers off the dribble, was getting to the rim, working with Hunter Dickinson. So this is just another guy whose skill set makes sense, right? Buffkin has a relatively reliable jump shot. He's got a pretty solid handle. He is, um, again, a guy I would say has more of a functional handle, but it's one that he can use to get to the rim. He can make passes out of it, or he can pull up for a jump shot. It's not really his biggest thing, but... Uh, something he can do. Uh, his off-ball shooting is pretty impressive. He measured out around 6'4". I think he was maybe the same exact height as Jordan Hawkins. So, again, a guy that I think can guard um, ones and twos. I think he can guard the guard position. Then maybe you can sneak some time in at the at the three. Uh, I don't really see that with Buffkin as much. He's He's, you know, a little bit on the lighter side. He is not necessarily the... Uh, you know, he's got a decent wingspan, but he's not really some, you know, he, he's not some stopper or anything. He's not, yeah, I, I don't know. He, he's solid, though. I think he's going to be solid pretty much in every facet of the game. It's kind of what the what the pitch is on him. Um, I think if he fails, it's, it's probably because he just can't quite hold up as an athlete. I would say mostly in terms of him being on the ball, creating his own shot, and then, you know, if... If he's a guy that can create on the ball, then he's valuable enough on offense that maybe if his defense is fine, not great, then he can survive. Uh, but you can't be mediocre on offense. You can't be 
an off-ball guard on offense and not be a really good defender. If you're going to be the off-ball guy on offense, if you're not the primary initiator, then you have to fit beside the primary initiator, which generally means guarding the best, you know, whoever the best initiator is on the other team. Uh, I think Buffkin's got a chance to do it, but if he can't, uh, that's where he would fail. So, again, this is... Uh, getting a little bit lower in terms of my confidence level at this point. Still in the same tier of these guys, but you know we're down at number fifteen out of twenty. So these are still got. They're still gonna every single one of them. These are, these are the twenty though. You know uh, I'm a hundred percent confident that they'll all make it. So disregard any uh, disregard anything you heard that sounded like a objective analysis that he might fail because no way he's in the twenty. He's in the twenty. Uh, number sixteen, Grady Dick. Another guy that just is sort of Jordan Hawkins, uh, 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 similar to Jordan Hawkins, where he's got a skill, he can shoot the ball really well. Uh, I think the advantage Grady Dick has over Jordan Hawkins is that he's a few inches taller. Grady Dick is actually more the size of some of those Fords I listed above. Uh, not as you know, he's like, he's not 240 pounds like Jarris, but I wouldn't say Grady Dick is a particularly skinny player. Um, he is not nearly the movement shooter that a guy like Jordan Hawkins is. I would say that Grady Dick, uh, he's comfortable shooting anywhere around the arc, but it's generally more of a, um, you know, he's shooting off of a set shot. Um, I would say he's a guy that much more prefers to catch on a standstill and then either shoot or drive from there. Maybe that's the way I would put it, as opposed to, you know, he's not really running like the Max Drews, Duncan Robinsons, run around a screen, set your feet, and then shoot. Uh, he doesn't quite seem to have that level of dynamicism with his shot. So I do think that would be a limiting factor, and that's why uh, I actually th- see him as one of the uh, one, one of the guys that's getting a little overhyped in terms of his upside. I think he's you know more of a solid bench piece. But I actually think the uh, thing that people are missing is that he might not be quite as dynamic on offense, but I think he'll be solid on defense. Um, if he can't hold up on defense, I don't, I don't think it's really going to work because I don't think his shot is that dynamic. Uh, but still, I think he's, I think he's more talented on offense than just a, uh, spot up shooter. I think he can, uh, drive a little bit. Um, I think he's got decent coordination and, and, um, seems used to driving the ball and handling. So I don't know, maybe he's got some chance of becoming a little more dynamic on offense, but I think the best bet is he shoots and he survives on defense. So. Uh, that's Grady Dick. Next, we'll go to number 17. We got three more guys in this tier, so hang with me. Number 17, we got Bryce Sensabaugh. Bryce Sensabaugh is another guy. Again, um, I can pretty much just stick with the same trend. He's got a clear skill set that he can shoot. Uh, specifically, he is a guy that I really like for his ability to shoot off ball uh, or you know off the catch, off movement. He's got an incredibly versatile jump shot. I actually like that he can... Uh, shoot off the ball in the mid-range. He can sort of come off actions there. Uh, he actually, this is uh, somewhat slanderous to say, but he might be the guy in this class that most reminds me of Clay Thompson, just the way that he, because Clay Thompson is not just a three-point shooter. He loves taking difficult run-around three-point shooters, but he's also a guy that catches one dribble, pulls up uh, from mid-range. He's a guy that will take floaters. Clay Thompson just likes to shoot shots. Uh, that's what he's good at, and that's what Bryce Sensabaugh is good at, too. He's good at making the shot go into the basket, uh, and I think that's a reliable skill set to bank on. Uh, the reason he's this low, 
It's because his defense is horrible and because he played like 25 minutes out of a 40-minute game on average in college, despite being one of the best scorers in the league. Not just the best freshman scorer. He's one of the best scorers from an efficiency standpoint and a production. He scored like 16 a game in his 25 minutes. He still had to sit like a third of the game because his defense was that bad. He didn't even start a few of the games because his defense was just so atrocious. So that's that's it, right? That's where he fails is if if he's just um, trying to play offense and doesn't figure out that he needs to be a more fully fleshed out basketball player. But um, I, I'm comfortable enough. I am very comfortable with his offensive skill set. So I think that he has a lot of leeway on the defensive end, frankly. Um, that even though I think he is at a very poor starting point, uh, I don't think he has to get that good to uh, provide provide value in the NBA. So Bryce is a guy that I'm pretty dang confident um, working as a scorer. The defense is questionable, but uh, maybe maybe the other way around with this guy, Jalen Hood Shafino. He's a guy that uh, definitely a bit of an enigma for me. He's a guy that I saw as high as like the top ten earlier in the year. Um, I think the most jarring thing is you have to compare him and Kobe Bufkin in my mind because they're the two taller point guards that worked with really heavy usage big men. Uh, Jalen Hitchfino obviously uh, ran pick or was playing with Trace Jackson Davis. Kobe Bufkin was playing with Hunter Dickinson. So those are two guys that really had to learn to adapt and score as well as facilitate with that guy. Um, Different types of players. TJD is a little bit more dynamic. Um, I would say he's a little bit more of like a modern big man, right? Um, so I, I, I did think I would value that experience with Hutchfino a little bit more. But the one thing when you look at their stats, Bufkin is a great finisher. Bufkin's an efficient finisher in the half court uh, and got up a lot of attempts. But, uh, man, Jalen Hutchfino is... is is lacking in that department. He he was I think under fifty percent at the rim in the half court. Had very few attempts. Um, he's also not a very efficient jump shooter. The the saving grace for him as a as an offensive player is the pull up mid range jump shot, which he he took over a hundred pull up twos over this season. I mean it was like a solid clip. I would say it was more the fact that he got that many off was that comfortable getting that shot off at so many different angles, but. Um, I will say I, I'm definitely pretty nervous about Huchifino's offensive um, offensive floor because I think he's got a lot of skills. I think he's a smart player. I think he sees things pretty well, but he is not a great scorer at this point, and he's not the most natural playmaker um, from moment to moment. I think it's more of a he picks his moments to play make. So that that does make me a little nervous. I think he's definitely a guy that needs to find the right fit where he can be more of a combo guard, you know, and to, to some extent that requires you to make threes. But again, most of these guys, if, if they can't make shots, they're not going to make it. That just kind of is a given in today's NBA. So uh, I think Kinshafino is going to be really solid on defense, though, because he is, again, he's sort of Kobe, but I think he's a little taller than Kobe. Uh, I think he measured more like 6'5 without shoes, Kinshafino did, so he's closer to 6'6 in shoes. Uh, he's a pretty bulky guy too. He is closer to that Marcus Smart body type. Don't get me wrong. He's, you know, um, Huchifino is closer to Buffkin or any skinny guy you want to say than he is to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a friggin' beast, but uh, Huchifino has got some. He's got some bulk to him. 
um, I don't think guys are just going to be able to run him over. So that is, I think, a big reason why I would put him here is I think his defensive floor is solid, and he's clearly got a lot of offensive skills. Um, I think, again, this is another guy where I don't know exactly where he fits, but he has enough potential you know, a threads to pull on that I think um, I think he's a guy that'll figure it out for at least a few seasons. Um, number 19, this is a guy, frankly, I haven't watched a ton of film on, but Derek Whitehead, uh, the other highly regarded prospect out of Duke this year. Uh, Duke happens to get a few of them. Uh, this is a guy who started, I believe he started five years at Montverde. Uh, sorry, did not start. He was on the varsity team for five years at Montverde, so since he was an eighth grader. Um, and the his junior and senior year, he was you know pretty much the big name on the team. Um, he, at Duke, had some trouble with injuries early on, but when he played, you know, he was not a guy that looked particularly comfortable with the ball in his hands, but you watch his shooting film, and it is pretty dang impressive. I mean, this is another guy who measured more like 6'5"-ish without shoes, so he's going to be more like 6'6". On the court, he's got a decent wingspan. He looks like he moves pretty fluidly. Um, I would say I don't know that I... he, he He looked pretty rough on offense. You know, he looked like he could shoot, and if he could get off jump shots, then that was what he was comfortable doing. I don't know that I really saw him be comfortable with anything else, though, on offense, which is an issue. Um, and I can't say he was necessarily like locking guys, guys down on defense, uh, but he always moved with guys. That's the one thing I'll say is you know he, he never really got overmatched from an athleticism point. He's got the body for it. Uh, and frankly, this is one of the guys where, again, I, I haven't watched as much film as I have on, like, uh, Hawkins or Keontae. Like, this is a guy that I, I've sort of heard the pedigree, heard the reputation. You look at the shooting stats, like, yeah, I, I'm willing to take a bet on a guy that I think is going to be, I think has already become an elite shooter just in the world, in basketball, period, um, and has the athletic gifts, physical tools, and the historical pedigree of doing more things on offense and being a solid player on defense. So, Drake Whitehead, uh, I think he's a pretty dang safe bet, all things being considered. Uh, I think we freaked out a little bit too much early in the season, dropping him to like the second round and stuff. There's just, it's it, he, he's he's got too much of a pedigree for a guy that has still shown some stuff at the college level. It's not like he's uh, struggling to even like shoot the ball, right? Like he's identified a couple things. He's fit into his team as well. It's not jarring when you watch him. Um, I was trying to avoid saying it, but Nick Smith would be the comparison here, right? Where when you watch some Nick Smith games where he was readjusting, it was just like, wow, this guy is just, he's playing a different game than his teammates right now. Uh, Dariq, even if he wasn't, Dariq is better at staying out of the way and just providing value by being in the corner. I don't know that Nick Smith can quite do that right now, um, but that's the thing with Dariq, right? Is he, He's got that shot. I think he knows that he's got that shot. And as long as he has that one thing, then he can figure out how to stay out of the way in the other parts of the game. So that's number 19. Uh, (laughs) Number 20 was my I need one more guy group. Hopefully this doesn't seem too mean. I mean, at the end of the day, this is still a guy that I think is one of the 20 most likely guys to succeed in the NBA. Like it was more just he didn't really fit into the other two tiers. Uh, But Chris Murray. Chris Murray is my number 20 guy out of Iowa he's really good at basketball you know like i don't i don't really know 
that he has an elite skill like Drake Whitehead's shooting or you know Derek Lively's shot blocking. Um, I frankly I don't think he's gonna do. I don't think he's gonna be like a great shooter or scorer. I think he's just gonna be like decent, like league average uh, efficiency as a shooter is what you're aiming for there. I think you're hoping he survives on defense. I just think that he can survive at enough skills. Um, rather than having anything that really makes you need to play him, he's just a guy that's going to be a big body. And when you're running out of wings, you say, hey, Chris Murray, go in there and don't screw the game up for us. Uh, and I think he'll go in there and not screw the game up for you. So I think that's that's <laughs> that's pretty valuable when you're six foot nine. Um, and like I said, he, he is still very good at basketball. You know, not screwing things up in an NBA game involves you being really good at basketball so you know i say that as like it's some sort of insult but like surviving in in, in an nba game is incredibly difficult and i think that's something that chris murray's gonna be able to do again i don't think he's gonna really blow your mind in any specific aspect but i think he's going to keep that position on his team afloat and frankly that's all you need from a guy um if he's gonna be a role player contributing so uh, Chris Murray belongs on this list, as does everybody else. Like I said, this is the 20. The 20 guys that 100% chance I am guaranteeing lock it in. These guys will be major contributors in the NBA. Significant contributors, whether as role players, whether as stars, whether as MVPs whether it's five years into their career after they spent three years in Croatia and two in the NBL. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how long it'll last. But I know these guys, the 20, these are the 20 guys that I know are going to matter in the NBA. Thanks for listening, y'all. Hope y'all enjoyed. Hope this list made some sense. If y'all have any feedback, if y'all want to push back, if y'all think this is an interesting concept, Find me on Twitter at Heard It Here Hoops. Uh, other than that, you know, take it easy. Thanks for letting me talk y'all's ear off for another 45 minutes or so. So, bye.